a few years ago, uh, a, a well-known Christian author named Rob Bell came out with a book that had a really intriguing title. Um, and some of you are familiar with Rob Bell at this point because we read through one of his books uh, during Lent called What is the Bible? But his book from a couple years ago was called What We Talk About When We Talk About God, which is the kind of title you really can't say 10 times fast. You have to say it slowly and deliberately. What, what we talk about when we talk about God. And so the title of this book, just the title before you even read the book, begs us to ask the question, a question that is very deep. Who's God? And I don't think we think about it very often. This question of what do we mean when we say God? What, what are we talking about when we talk about God? You know, one of the problems when you talk about God is you can't point to something else and say, like this, or like that. God is the thing of which there is no thing that God can be compared to. God is not just a thing among other things. Rather, God is literally that which is not a thing. And so God is not just some really powerful, eternal human you know, when you close your eyes and you imagine this being in the sky, maybe it's a giant, it probably has a beard, a little whiter than mine. God is something else than that. God is that thing that, that there is no other thing like. And so it's less a question for us today about who is God and more about the words we use. How do we come to the language that we have about God? What, what are our God words? The term theology literally means theo, God, and logos, word. Words about God. And so another way to think about this is to remember that there was a time before people knew what we know today about God. Before the writings of the prophets, before the giving of the law, before Jesus and Paul and the apostles, God came and journeyed with people, made covenants. And these people didn't have words for God. They didn't have a list of scripture to go back to and go, oh, that's what God is. And so our words about God, the words that we speak about who our God is, don't come from some essence of God some def dictionary definition of this is what a God is, but rather our words come from those who had experiences, those who had great hopes, those who were delivered from trouble, those who were chosen for great things. Our knowledge of God comes from their experience. And our words about God come from that experience. So today we are going to hear from a time before they had all of the books of the Bible that we have now and all of the histories and traditions. I invite you to listen now to our reading from Genesis chapter 28. Well, Jacob left Beersheba and went towards Haran. He came to a certain place and stayed there for the night because the sun had set. And taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place. 
and he dreamed that there was a ladder set up on the earth, the top of it reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And the Lord stood beside him and said, I am the Lord God, the Lord of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and to your offspring. And your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And all the families of the earth shall be blessed in you and in your offspring. Know that I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob woke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. May God bless this reading. So the book of Genesis is a book of of people figuring out who God is. And at the same time, it is a book that is giving shape to who Israel is as the people of God. Genesis literally means beginnings. It is the story of the beginning of Israel and of their journey with God. It is not, by the way, meant to be a science textbook that explains absolutely what the origins of the universe are, but rather, it's like a collection of family stories that have been told over the years about why things are the way they are. And so I have this image in my head of Jacob showing up to the family feasts. Let's call it the ancient ancient Israel Thanksgiving dinner, where they're gathered around a table and all of his kids are there and maybe his brothers and they're talking. And every year he tells the same story about how he was traveling, and how he laid down and put a rock under his head. I think rock under your head is the equivalent of walking uphill in the snow. And he talks about how he had this wild dream. And to those gathered, the friends and family, he would repeat the same realization that we read today, and maybe his kids would get to the line first. God was in that place. We know, Dad. We've heard. But this, this is the way in which their identity was shaped by the telling of these stories about where they came from. This was how they got the original words about God, how they passed down these stories. And eventually somebody said, these are too important to lose. And so they wrote them down. But this is how they get to know who and maybe even what a God is through the experience of walking in faith, towards meeting and knowing God on the road. There is no prior experience or exaltations of all-powerful or omniscient or any of the things that we say about God now. There was just a relationship based on faithfulness. There's a walk where God comes to be with God's people And there is a shared sense of hope between the people and between God that together this relationship can be something special. And eventually from that we begin to get our words about God. So all of this is a very Jewish way of understanding the world. Uh, And by the way, every single writer in the New Testament is Jewish. All of them. Jesus 
is Jewish. And so they are coming out of this very Jewish way of understanding creation. And Jewish philosophy is very earthy. If you go back and you read in Genesis and the creation stories, it, God gets God's hands dirty in the dirt <laughs> when the world is made. You can almost feel the dirt in God's fingernails, can't you, when you read those stories? We read in the Old Testament of God making creation a throne room. And we have a God who is very uh, personable, let's say. God speaks. God gets angry. God expresses remorse. God regrets actions, shows jealousy. God changes God's mind. These are all stories and things that happen in the Old Testament. And God is known through these actions, through these, these experiences that people have. And so this very distinct way of understanding God, this Jewish way of knowing who God is, gets contrasted later on with, with a different way, a way that comes out of the Roman world, the Greek way of knowing who God is. And so in Greek philosophy, things have an essence to them. And so I want you to think back really, really fast to your freshman year of college and you took a philosophy class. Anybody? Nobody remember? I took a philosophy class. And you have to read Plato's Republic. And there's this weird story called the allegory of the cave where he's explaining reality and we are tied down in the cave and we're looking at shadows on the wall. And we think that the shadows are reality. But in reality, reality is behind us where we can't see it and it's being projected on a wall. And so there, the thing that makes a thing a thing is it's pure essence. Stay with me. The, best, the classic example is the chair. How do you know that a chair is a chair? Because it has chairness. Because it has an essence. All right, so we, we kind of went off the deep end, didn't we? It's a little complicated, I guess. But the point is that sometimes we get stuck talking about the essence of God, about what makes a God a God. We have defined how and what a God is. A God is powerful and eternal and omniscient. Before we have any experience with God, we can name those things. We've read scripture and we know all the definitions and we are working from them. God is all-powerful, unchanging, omniscient. Those are all Greek terms about God. All things that God is supposed to be. And we get uneasy when God operates outside of those definitions. The problem with having all these predetermined ideas about what God is, is that our God loves to frustrate those expectations. And so we would have no problem saying our God is all-powerful. But then we get Jesus, who gives himself up, sacrifices himself in an act of mercy and humiliation and weakness. And so our all-powerful God becomes weak, totally weak. And we, we might say that God is unchanging, except that there's this scene in the Old Testament, and there's not just one, but one in particular, where Moses is on the mountaintop receiving the law, 
And the people of Israel are really impatient and they're down below the mountain. They're building an idol because they've given up on Yahweh. And God goes to Moses and says, I'm done. I'm going to smite all of them. And Moses has to say, God, calm down. It's okay. They can be brought back. And God changes God's mind and decides not to smite them. And we, we know that God is omniscient, right? God is all-knowing and everywhere and, and ever-present. Except in that same Genesis creation story, after Adam and Eve have eaten the apple, or the pomegranate, or whatever kind of fruit it was, and, and they're hiding from God, and they've covered them, themselves up, God comes down and says, Adam, where are you? Which is, what do you mean, where are you? Don't you know? You're omniscient. You know everything. And so, the history of God and God's people has always been one in which we learn about God through experience. And when we start with the categories of who God has to be, we end up missing God. We end up not being able to see what God is doing. Instead, we need to see these experiences as shaping who we understand God to be. Because the story of scripture is that God has always been willing to walk along with God's people, to bring them into new realities and new futures that didn't fit whatever they wanted them to be in the first place. And so we have to return to the original question, what do we talk about when we talk about God? Because frankly, to talk about God is to talk about hope. It is to talk about our dreams and desires for the world and for our loved ones and for our neighbors. Just like ancient Israel did as they journeyed and tried to make themselves into a particular kind of people. A people who would be a blessing to the world. For we talk about a God who is making all things new. Who is with us in this place even though we don't know it. And whose work is being made all around us. It's a work that can't be predicted. There is no blueprint for it. It must be experienced. You have to feel it. For to talk about God is to talk about the kingdom that is coming, which looks like nothing before it. You can't really describe it. You just have to live into it. And so we follow this God who is still emerging. Uh, Amanda's, my wife's denomination is the United Church of Christ, and in all their publications they have this tagline, God is still speaking, is the tagline, and it's true. But what is also true is that we are still learning. We are still finding out who God will be, who God can be. We are still seeking that place where God's promise for the kingdom and our hope intersect. And so we need to not cling so closely to who we know God has to be, because if we do, we'll miss it. We will have our minds made up before God even has a chance to move. And so we move like ancient Israel did, like Jacob, having a new dream, unlike anything he had seen before. We're in the same place, having the same dreams. 
And every once in a while, we'll wake up from the dream and we will exclaim, surely God was in this place and I did not know it. Because the story is that God shows up more than anything. God walks with us. God makes us new. God brings creation to fullness. And we know because we've experienced it because we've heard the stories, because we continue to talk about the stories, and because every once in a while we allow ourselves to be aware of it. Amen.